Hello. Thank you, everyone, for joining in. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing good. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, I can. This is great. Fantastic. Working as designed. <laughs> my favorite thing about Clubhouse is that my mom always told me that I had a face for radio. So this is just really not well, my kids always say that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great just having to rely on the voice. Um, although, you know, having it be a relatively new format, I feel like we have to speak in a in a much more East Coast NPR tone, right? Like kind of go a little deeper, maybe an octave. Oh, I can I can get low and we can start whispering, and this can be the all things considered about security. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks a ton for joining. And I guess for the folks that are now joining the room, just a brief sort of summary of kind of what we're looking to do here. Um, so Jeff and I had been talking um, in pre-COVID times, we would catch up in the real world and over copious amounts of alcohol uh, discuss the breach of the week. Uh, so as everyone knows, you know, security is a hot topic. There's breaches that are happening every week. And, and for people who are actually inside the industry, um, it's really fun to kind of get together and share some of our thoughts on this. And so I thought it'd be great, you know, to invite Jeff on here and with some assorted special guests as we kind of develop the show uh, to kind of review some of the things that have happened, take some questions and maybe bring some special guests on. So I think, Jeff, as we discussed, I think it might be good to just start off with maybe a, a quick biographical sketch of ourselves to set the stage and then maybe to dive into some of the topics. Yeah, sure. Uh, you want me to start? Yeah, that'd be good if you don't mind. I uh, I would love to. I'm Jeff Belknap. I'm currently the CISO at LinkedIn. I've uh, been here for about two years, but I've spent a bunch of time CISOing at other places like uh, Slack and Palantir and uh, had an illustrious career before that. Um, and, and I'm excited to sort of have this conversation because I think one of the one of the things, and I wouldn't say it was copious amounts of alcohol, but one of the things we we often talk about uh, between CISOs are, are breaches. And I think one of the things Joel and I was talking about recently uh, was, you know, how do we destigmatize de this, right? How do we get discussion, like real discussion about what a, what a breach is, what it means, uh, and what we can learn from it into the mainstream? So here's an experiment towards that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the important thing, and I think we actually talked about this uh, at, at length, is that, you know, the, the lessons learned are what's really important and also sort of like kind of destigmatizing breaches to as great an extent as we can, right? Like, I mean, you've worked at enough places and I've worked at enough places um, that that we've all handled our fair share of breaches and can honestly say that they they happen to everyone, right? So I think I think the goal here is to really try to destigmatize that and maybe cut through some of the nonsense that we hear around these topics. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the more we can have discussion about about these things, and the more we can learn that, look, look, Breaches, uh, you know, maybe lowercase b breaches are things that happen to companies every day. Not everything uh, is something that makes it to the Wall Street Journal, thank thankfully, uh, and hopefully nothing nothing anyone in this room ever does uh, makes it into the Wall Street Journal. Uh, or if you're like me, hopefully you never have a tweet, an errant tweet about vacuums that makes it into the BBC. We can talk about that later. <laughs> Uh, but I think the more we talk about it, the more uh, we can generate an understanding that this isn't something that everyone has to be terrified of, and it doesn't have to be completely wrapped in secrecy. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I think the funny thing is, is that like, when we started in this industry, probably, you know, quite a while ago, before there was any kind of requirement to actually report breaches or any definition of what a security breach actually is, right? Like, I think, I think in those early days, there was a lot of activity that was going on that security teams knew about, but had no obligation to report. And so, like, as we've started to really, like, drive towards legislation and having breach requirements, right, there's a lot of stuff that's been kind of come out in, coming out into the light 
that's sort of like I'd say the the inside baseball stuff that maybe we knew uh, back then and 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 kind of is kind of illuminating it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, there there's always those those sort of inside baseball stuff that uh, I think, or or maybe we can talk about it's fantasy football stuff that enough people know about, but maybe people don't always put the the connect the dots on that. Gotcha. Well, you know, and I think I think the first one that that kind of um, that kind of stands out, I think, from the last week, let's say week and a half, uh, since we've started planning the show a little bit ago, um, is the is the situation that happened at Verkata. And maybe Jeff, do you want to just kind of like walk through what what happened there? Because I know we we kind of talked at a very high level. Yeah, I think um, look at a at a very high level. This is uh, this is something that you know maybe maybe roughly uh, uh hyperbolized in the press but this is something where uh a provider of ip cameras uh was was found to be compromised and it turned out uh that they had accidentally or inadvertently published a super administrative user uh, credential to a place that a uh a, a hacker and i'm going to put air quotes you can't see them but i'm going to put air quotes around <laughs> the word hacker Got a hold of those and was able to use them uh, to to great enjoyment. Uh, I'm sure short-lived enjoyment because I, I believe they've since been arrested. Um, but it, it, you know, and and certainly there is the 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 human impact of something like that happening. You're installing cameras. There's a certain amount of trust that comes with the the uh, the sort of like shared responsibility relationship. If I'm going to put a camera in a space but you trust the person theoretically that's putting the camera there because you're getting some amount of security as a result of that, or at least that's the theory behind that. Um, in this case, you know, if, if a third party has access to that, to that camera and all that footage, well, that's a significant breach of trust for, for you, the person who bought the camera and everyone else who might be the subject of the area that that camera can view. But I think it really comes to like, you know, the question of, is this a hack? Is this actually a breach? Like certainly, uh, some some other third party that wasn't approved got access to view all this footage and got access to the devices. Uh, certainly, there were claims made by the uh, the adversary that they had access to to systems uh, in those big companies that had installed these cameras, and that was proven to be a little bit out of context. You know, they had access to the camera. The camera was running an embedded Linux. They had access to a shell on the camera. Yeah. Is that a shell in the environment? Eh. Like, you know, that's that's up for debate about whether materially that's the same thing as compromising that company. Absolutely. Yeah. And 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 so and so one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this um, is the is the response that the customers had to the breach. Right. And I think I think it's always it's always in the responses that we can we can really learn kind of like who's doing things right and kind of how they're handling it. I think Cloudflare uh, and I've just invited uh, Joe Sullivan up to, to, to join us as a speaker. Um, I think Cloudflare probably did the best response. Um, it's up, it's up on their on their website if you want to find it. Um, they just provided a very clear scope of of what happened. They were very transparent. And and, and Joe, I'd, I'd love to kind of hear some of your thoughts about this and and how you guys decided to push this forward because I think it's actually a really great lesson for for folks that have to find themselves in this situation. Hey, thanks for inviting me up to talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah, we at Cloudflare have a real culture of transparency. It's something that you know, starts at the top with Matthew, our CEO. And in, in fact, in this situation, uh, that was one of the things he said to us. You know, it, you know, as you two know, as security leaders, when you're in the middle of an incident, you're, you're responding, you're, you're seeing you know, 
what's happening on Twitter and all the speculation, but you're also trying to figure out what actually happened. And so you know, we're busy pulling the logs, analyzing everything, um, tracking it all down, reading all the documentation, trying to put together a timeline, et cetera. Et cetera. Probably the last thing on your mind is get a blog post out. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, you know, we, we have a pretty disciplined process internally uh, when it comes to making communication part of every kind of incident response. And so it starts with, we, you know, and in this case, you know, we learned about it by being contacted by the media. So we had to get a response to the media. We, we need to tell our employees because we're talking about cameras in, in, in offices, even though all those offices have been closed for the last year. Um, some employees had been in at different times. And so we cared about the impact on employees. And um, then we wanted to uh, deal with customers because you know we have lots of large and small customers all over the world. And they want to know if our environment has been compromised. Does it mean their information in our in our environment is compromised? And then last of all, we just wanted to generally respond um, publicly. And so in every, in every single communication situation, we think about a media response, an employee response, a customer response, and a, and a general blog post. Yeah. And, and, and so we managed to take care of all four in less than 24 hours in this case. What was really interesting uh, in kind of watching you guys respond is that there was obviously a lot of chatter on Twitter about, you know, I, I think there were claims that some, you know, and, and I'll use Jeff's air quotes here, some hacker could use the root shell to get access to the CEO's laptop or do get customer access to data. And I think, like, this is one of the first times where I've not only seen you push back on the, seen someone push back on the claims, but you actually quoted the tweets uh, in your response, which I thought was really interesting. I'm curious kind of like how you guys were thinking through that. Um, and, and how you made that call, because I think a lot of other companies just, you know, usually choose to kind of ignore some of that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a it's an interesting question whether and how much you should jump into the speculation that's happening in social media. Um, but when you um, when you're a company like Cloudflare that has customers all over the world who are trusting you as a company, you know, as part of effectively their infrastructure of their companies, you you do need to answer all those questions. And so we wanted to explain, you know, we had the cameras isolated. Um, you wouldn't have been able to move laterally. And uh, so we, we decided to take those questions head on. That's great. Yeah. Way, was awesome uh, and not something that every every team gets right or every team is is brave enough to do i think do you, you know i think we've probably all worked places where that would have been uh that would have been a hard part of the discussion at the early stage so bravo for that and i think i hope more people take that under advisement that that's a that's a key part of getting ahead of the message early i think you're right because uh, we see in social media that people speculate and jump to conclusions so quickly and that narrative can become the quote unquote truth and it becomes hard to change later on. And, um, and if you do change it, it's through a lot of hard effort. And, you know, we have a, you know, as part of our security team, we have a team of people who basically full time handle inbound questions from customers and potential customers about our commitment to security. Um, and, and part of that is responding to the breach of the week 
uh, and how it how it impacted us. You know, we we get we didn't have solar winds in our environment, but we have to answer solar winds related questions all the time, and we can anticipate that we'll have to answer questions about uh, this one for you know for a good time to come as well. And so having the blog post out there that, that we can point to uh, makes our team's job a lot easier. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I thought the other the other interesting thing, and this was kind of a, 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 I made a little note of it, like the the first, the fact that you kind of had a threat model for the activity ready to go so that you could push back very specifically on like, no, no, it's isolated. And then you followed it up with kind of a really nice plug for like services that you guys sell, which I thought was, which I thought was just really great advertising. Like it really turned the tables. <laughs> Top well, you know, if you, uh, if you don't um, practice what you preach, and we definitely preach zero trust um, networking, um, then um, shame on you, right? Um, so we, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely not my idea to think of turning it around that way. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but next uh, time it will be your idea, right? Yes. Yeah. What, I mean, I, what if, if any yeah, curious, would you, would you change or, or do you think you would build or do differently as a result of, of this thing happening? Or do you feel like, you know, re, you know, the, the response plan was ready to go. We, we responded just as we expected it. And, and this was good to go. You know, there were some interesting lessons learned around IOT devices and logs. Uh, you know, I think as security leaders, you know, every time you have an incident, you find that you're, you don't have every single log you want to have instantly available. And sometimes you, you're able to get the logs out of storage you get the, you, or to, you know, get the logs from, you know, a third party. Uh, and you know, the way the logging was working on like each physical camera um, was, was interesting to really dig into and think about, um, you know, like in a lot of contexts, you can't have devices just constantly streaming logs back to your security team. They kind of get batched up and they go out in um, in separate buckets over time. And if if say you decide we better turn those cameras off right now, what happens to the logs that are on that specific camera? You know, there are lots of interesting little things like that uh, that you um, you don't really, no matter how well you prepare in advance, you you can't anticipate every little thing that you might discover. Turns uh, what, out logs what, are logs are valuable. Right. And that was that was the fun part of for, for my team was that we actually had a couple of years ago set up a really good intrusion detection system on a corporate network. And so we had I felt like we had better logs in place uh, than the third party that we were interacting with. Um, in terms of what we, you know, we knew exactly what came into our network and where it went, and that, um, and that really helped us in terms of putting together the timeline. And we got to share some of those logs in the um, blog post. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think so? I mean, I think it's been an interesting start to the year, right? We had sort of, we had solar winds. Um, we've we've had now this this sort of situation, and um, it just seems like there's this like endless parade. Of of third party breaches that 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 not only you have to respond to, but like every other SaaS and tech company in the world has to respond to. And I'm just kind of curious, like, is this is this the future for like the next three to five years? Or now that we've outsourced everything, it's a good question. Um, yeah, you left out the Microsoft stuff, which yeah. 
came, came in the middle. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's made me think a lot about anything that's connected to the internet that you put in your environment. And that includes, you know, that can be hardware like cameras and it can be software uh, that's third party software. Um, that one thing that, you know, we talked, we were just talking about logging, but, you know, we, we do use, um, you know, some third party software and it calls out to the internet sometimes. And I think it, it goes back to starting to think about analyzing outbound traffic in different ways uh, to catch anomalies, uh, stuff that we used to do a lot more when we had a, a single network for our companies. Absolutely. Well, Joe, thank, thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate you dropping by and, and awesome, lots of stuff to think about as um, each and every one of us has to respond to these sorts of things, <laughs> hopefully not as frequently as you do, but um, but certainly at a, at a frequency more than we would prefer. For sure. Yeah, it was good good to chat with you again. Uh, it's not it's not the same chatting with you in Slack. Uh, it, it reminds me that I miss my uh, CISO community. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, guys. All right, that was great. So I think I think that was a, a fun sort of segue into perhaps the next the next problem with third parties and infrastructure providers, which is the the solution we had or the situation we had reported in Vice magazine uh, <clears throat> earlier this week about. Um, hackers getting access to texts by, by or SMS messages, should be more specific, um, by using a third-party service that allows for forging and intercepting of those messages set up by the telco providers. And I think, Jeff, did you did you happen to catch the story? I, I read it, yeah. I thought, um, I thought there's, an, there's sort of an interesting parallel, uh, you know, the subtext between this thing and the, the IoT camera issues, like, you know, there one has to question. Uh, I think, especially in the Verkana thing, did you really build security in from the beginning? You know, if you're building, if you're building a backdoor, or just you know, maybe I'll be less hyperbolic. If you're building a super admin password, uh, a set of credentials that's going to exist on every device, are you really thinking about the threat model of of these devices out there? And I think the same thing happens with the uh, you know with the SS7 uh, network with the uh, the signaling seven network. When we build these things, sometimes we don't always get the opportunity or the foresight to think about, you know, what what their usage is going to look like 7, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And and I think in in this case, and especially because um, there's some legislation involved here where the the Congress dictated that your numbers should be portable and everyone rejoiced and that that became very convenient. But as a result of that, uh, and as a result of the fact that maybe that was not considered uh, in in the design of the SMS system, uh, you know that means people can maliciously port your uh, your number and and redirect SS, uh, SMS messages wherever they might want them to go, and it it really brings brings up uh, a discussion about well how do you ensure that these things are considered considered from the beginning. And then, how do you build systems that are easy uh, easy to fix once you've dis once you've dis uh, discerned that there's a problem? And I, I don't know that we all know the answer to that yet. Well, yeah, and you know what the funny thing is because we we keep talking and in and in our security community, like the thing we obsess about is like security assessment questionnaires of vendors, right? Like, and if you're in enterprise sales or you're an enterprise company, like the the thing that kills you is that you get like a hundred questionnaires from people that are about the security of your product that you're trying to sell into it. And then when you actually go and read the questionnaires, like they over rotate on a bunch of stuff that just seems very sort of like 
previous generation of technology, right? And like, it, it just seems with all of these different provider breaches, like in this SMS one is, is I think a little bit different, but um, certainly with the Verkata situation, like every SaaS provider has a way to administer their system on a global basis, right? Like there is yeah, always, yeah. <laughs> there is always an admin account. Um, and, and the levels to which that admin account are protected, you know, absolutely vary from vendor to vendor. Uh, and, and it's just so rare, um, I think, at least I've seen in the questionnaires that I've had to answer, that people actually ask you about that. Like, is there a, is there a super admin account and how is it protected, right? Yeah, um, well, maybe, maybe that's, a, that's one more column to add to the spreadsheet. <laughs> no, no, no question spread. I'll be the most hated person in the world, probably. But yeah. um, uh, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to feel that way about you. You're now. getting there? Oh, yeah. God, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, I think I think it's interesting that like the, the, this is just one of those areas where you generally don't see kind of like questionnaires dive into that space. And so with this SMS one, like to your point, like people wanted portability, portability happened. And now, you know, with a forged letter of authorization, you know, you can take over someone's someone's SMS messages. Right. So I, and I, yeah. I think I think it's really just that simple. Right. There's like no there's no sophisticated kind of tech here on this one. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, how long has the, you know, Signaling 7 system been around? A long time. Um, and I think there's probably a scary amount of infrastructure or dial tone related systems that are out there that have been out there for ages and that are highly distributed systems that you know, maybe you can't upgrade uh, or change as quickly as you can. But I think, you know, if we if we think about the IoT issue with Verkata, uh, you know, this is this is a case where uh, threat modeling would would really have helped. But I think at least the lesson that will come out of this, hopefully, is if you're if you need to have an account like that to administer a system, uh, and there needs to be a credential that exists on these devices, uh, maybe it's a bad idea to have it be a static credential that's the same on every single device. Uh, and and hopefully, hopefully, what will come out of this, as I see happen so many times, uh, is that some tooling or some technology will be created to help mitigate this, right? And I saw this yeah. at Slack. Slack built Go Audit as a result uh, of their of their incident because they realized like, well, what we really need is a high performance system to be able to uh, query all uh, all the data off the running production infrastructure in a uh, in a sensible way. That came out of that breach. Hopefully, there'll be something new that comes out of Verkata. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, and then we can focus on customer support because that's always the other, <laughs> the other backdoor that sophisticated attackers use to take over your SaaS accounts, right? Yeah, people are always the weakest link, unfortunately. Absolutely, and I think every CISO has had to respond to either a DNS or service provider that's been uh, breached via customer success and had their account turned over to them, right? <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully that happens less and less. But but I mean, that's also a very difficult uh, problem to solve, right? No, know your customer uh, is is really well accepted in banking, but not so much everywhere else. And it turns out you can only know your customers so well. Uh, yeah, you absolutely. There's no proof, exact proof of life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sort of along the theme of kind of the people being the weakest link, I think there was a story earlier this week, it might've been last week about a breach at Andrews Air Force Base, which is where they keep a lot of the planes that are used to ferry around assorted dignitaries. Obviously it's a, a military installation, super high security. Um, but someone was actually able to get on the base and actually able to to get access um, to planes that are used by VIPs and potentially by uh, the president themselves, uh, which is which is all obviously a scary thing. Um, when I originally read this story, you know, I thought that perhaps there was some sophisticated sort of espionage operation. Someone's trying to get on there to plant bugs, um, but it turned out that the intruder was caught because they were wearing 
bunny ears or some kind of uh, ears ears he on was, their head. He was dressed funny. like work from home. Uh, yeah, so, absolutely. So. <laughs> was was trying to hop on a Zoom call with a real filter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah so no, I think you've. You at least their detection uh, worked. Somebody saw something and said something, right? But uh, but yeah, this is not not the ideal outcome. Absolutely, um, yeah. So so I think it's funny. It always it always does ultimately come back down to um, the people that are involved, right? Yeah, I think. I mean, look at at the end of the day, technology can only do so much, right? You you know, may, maybe there's an AI that could have been running on their cameras that would detect that. Uh, people wearing mouse ears are not a regular uh, a regular person that uh, that crosses into the secure area. But the reality is most technology, the good technology that is built, is built to help humans in the security space make better decisions or make faster decisions. I think it's always a fallacy when you're hoping that technology will will replace humans, but it'll hopefully replace uh, low value toil that humans have to do. Uh, but in this case, like you always have to fall back on really, really well-intentioned, really smart, driven humans to make those tools worthwhile. Uh, and in this case, uh, maybe not a sleeping human. <laughs> yeah, well, and that that seems to always be a problem when you're relying on humans to stare at screens, right? Like that's they 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 tend to doze off. Humans don't scale, uh, and it, when they do scale, they don't scale consistently. Uh, and maybe that's a problem Amazon will solve for us or Microsoft, but we'll see. Got it. Yeah, and and one of the other interesting stories. So I think one of the things that you know pops up a lot in our in our in our now online and remote CISO discussions is um, kind of like struggling with how we actually secure remote workers, right? Uh, so so you know a year ago, uh, everyone got sent home, was perhaps provided a device to take with them, <laughs> and and sort of was off to the races, right? So now we have this mix in our environments of people working from personal computers, working from there. There's sort of uh, you know company issued computers. Uh, there's there's kind of like all shapes and sizes that are going on now. And so recently, uh, Capcom actually had a fairly significant security breach um, and had a ransomware attack that actually impacted them. This was uh, I think back in back in a couple months ago, um, and they actually had to have everybody come back into the office in the middle of a pandemic, yeah, <laughs> which I thought was November. which I thought was like one of the craziest stories that I've seen. Yeah, I think file this under the category of what not to do. Uh, like you, I don't, I think, you know, I, it's hard to second guess somebody's decision-making that was in the moment. And certainly, you know, for all of these things, even though where we're being a little lighthearted about them, we we weren't there. We don't know exactly what happened. And, and I'll stress because I've definitely been in the situation, tech reporting is great. Uh, and tech reporters and journalists have a really hard job of piecing together what happened from the people that will talk to them. So while they do a great job, they always get stuff wrong, and they will have a they will also tell you that like they can't get everything right. Uh, if only one of us, like the CISO, would just sit with them for four hours and run through the entire uh, incident. But I think in this case, like you can't fall, you can't really fall back to a situation of like forget it, everybody come back in the office. Um, that, you know that's not realistic because at the end of the day, our job as security leaders is to help the business you know grow and thrive and be as successful and as safe as possible while adding value for our customers and our members uh, and our partners. And dragging everyone back into the office, not really the best way to succeed at that mission. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's interesting though, because you can kind of, looking at the ransomware that they were hit with, you can kind of start to see the machinations of their thought process and how they were recovering employees from what was probably some sort of encrypted file system uh, ransomware, right? So it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's yeah. 
Nobody it's wants a bad to be situation. in that position. Nobody yeah, wants to be absolutely. in that position. Yeah, tr- try restoring a bunch of workers remotely over their like home internet connection. <laughs> it's just going to be painful. Woof. Awesome. Well, and I think the last story, and this one got filed under hacking, um, but I, I just think it's kind of like probably more appropriate to file it under under Florida woman. There was a mother that was a, that was a assistant principal, I believe, at her local high school, and then used her access to the different IT systems to hack into the, or, you know, I guess unauthorized access into the system for electing the homecoming queen so that her daughter could get the nomination, which I thought was, was sort of one of the ones that kind of crossed my desk is it's something I don't think I've seen before. So um, yeah, that this, was that was a fun one. File this under maybe tried a little too hard. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's just not that important. Awesome. Well, thank, thanks thanks so much, Jeff. This has been this has been super awesome. Um, we're getting you know close to the end of our time here. Uh, and and thank you to everyone that that connected and and, and dialed in. We're going to be trying to do this weekly uh, and producing similar content. Um, and and really do appreciate you yeah, everybody listening in. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me. This is this has been fun. I'm looking forward to this developing and and being even more fun. Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, that 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 concludes it for today. And and everybody have a wonderful evening. Take care. Bye, everybody.